Gentlemen, gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Porn and the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton, and I'm glad you're here. So today we are going to discuss the idea, the thought, the truth that you can be saved, but still be a slave. And before we get into this, I just want to um, apologize if you hear anything in the background. Like I am in my basement recording this right now. It is Sunday morning and the dogs are upstairs. We've got hardwoods and they're, they constantly uh, play with each other. I got two dogs, Black Lab, and then a rescue dog. And they're constantly playing with each other. So if you hear anything in the background, more than likely it is them um, running up and around and playing with each other. So having said that, having given that disclaimer, uh, let's begin. I want to start really with um, a passage from Hebrews. So I am doing a study of Hebrews right now, just in my quiet time. And I really, as I was thinking about it, I really want this podcast to be much like the book of Hebrews, not like this podcast is scripture, because it's most definitely not. But the point of Hebrews is to, um, or the, the main focus of Hebrews is to look at Christ, is to see the supremacy of Christ. And I want this podcast to do the same thing. And to that end, we are going to look at scripture in this podcast. Like, I mean, the word of God is, is powerful and effective to transform men from like transform men from from men who love and men who are addicted to and men who seek out pornography to men who are lovers of God like this is this is my purpose like if you had to sum up a purpose for me like my goal my purpose is to help men fall out of love with pornography and in love with Jesus. That's it. And so to that end, in every episode, we are going to look at scripture because I believe in scripture, we see just the beauty and the majesty of Christ. And the more our hearts are drawn to him, um, the more we see pornography for what it is. So Having said all that, let's look at this passage, Hebrews 2, just going to look at two verses, just two short verses here. Since therefore the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood, he himself, that's Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. The problem. So let's look at the problem. Well, the problem is that we see in these pass in this passage is that the devil has the power of death. And since the day that he, through his lies, he convinced Adam and Eve, like, hey, I'm he convinced them that rebellion against God's rule and reign was a good idea. He's tormented men with this idea of death. You see what it says here? And deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So he uses the thought of death to create fear in us. And, and really, we know like death is coming for every one of us, but we don't want to think about it. And so what do we do? We sedate with all kinds of things to help us forget 
that one day, according to Romans 14, 12, we're going to have to give an account to our life before God. And so we sedate with things like entertainment and sports and politics and work and workouts, anything to keep us from facing the facts that death is coming. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad things until we're doing them to avoid thinking about our own mortality. Like why are people like so passionate about COVID-19? What's the thought of death, right? It's the thought of death. And, and so this is something Satan has been placing the fear of death in the hearts of men from the very beginning. Like, like God said to Adam and Eve, if you eat of this tree, the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. So God introduced this. Like if you rebel against me, these are the facts you're going to die. And so since that day, since Satan tempted Adam and Eve and they fell, I mean, we've been struggling with this idea of death, but this passage is beautiful because it brings out this solution. And this, and, and when I'm talking about, like when we're looking at this passage, we're talking about eternal salvation. So let's look at the solution. This is the solution. Through death, that through death, he, that's Jesus, might destroy the one who has the power of death, that's the devil, and deliver all of us who are subject to lifelong slavery. So Jesus's death on the cross, this is the solution. He came to do two things, two verbs we see here, destroy and deliver. He's going to destroy the devil and deliver his people. For all who put their trust, their faith in him, like God delivers through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, which is why the cross is so glorious, which is why we need to go back to the cross and see the beauty of the cross over and over and over. Like we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. And this is glorious news, right? So as we look at Christ, we see his eternal victory on our behalf and death, what death is, it becomes not something for us to fear, but it comes, it becomes a pathway to eternal glory in his presence. And because of that, we can look at death and instead of having fear of death, we can look at it and we can count our days so that we use them wisely. Look at Psalm 90, 12 says, and this is a prayer I pray in the morning, each morning. I say, God, teach me to number my days that I may get a heart of wisdom. Like I want to live wise today because I don't know when my last day is. And so this is what we need to do, right? Think about Psalm 39. This is one of my favorite passages. I'm going to turn to it real quick. Um, Psalm 39, I, I want to say starting in verse four. Yes, he says this, and this is uh, David. David says, oh Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Like it's, it's like he's saying, God, give me a sense of my own mortality. Like, behold, you have made my days just a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Man goes about like a shadow. 
Surely for nothing, they're in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will get it. And now, O oh Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. So David here is saying, man, this is, it's good, God. If you will just help me remember my mortality and that my days are few, it's going to help me live in wisdom. It's going to help me to live with purpose like live with purpose. And, I, and we don't have to fear death, right? We don't have to sedate and pretend that the, girl, that the world's goods will save us or make us happy, <laughs> any of that. And so Paul, you know, he, he says here in 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about when perishable puts on imperishable. Like, so when we, when we pass from death to eternal life, it says, it says, this will come to pass, the saying that says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can look forward to the day when we will put on immortality, and every tear and heartache and anxious thought will be no more. So before we get there, Okay, before we get to put on immortality in the presence of God, I want you to consider the thought that we started with. You can be saved. You can be saved and still be a slave. And, and so in relation to pornography, when porn is a part of your life, it's a clear indication that you're not living a victorious life, but an anxious and powerless and purposeless life with little to no confidence before God. Like, and when I say purposeless, I, I cannot tell you how many men I've spoken with. Almost every single one who, has, who is struggling with pornography right now says that they can't live out their purpose. Like, they know that God has a purpose for their life. They know that he wants to use them and work through them, but yet they feel purposeless because they have no confidence before him because Satan keeps us in this pit of shame locked up as a slave, locked up as a slave. And so, you know, the story, and so what is, what does Satan do? If he can't, if he can't keep us from experiencing eternal life with Christ, what he can do is keep us ineffective in our walk here on on earth. And so he torment, torments us night and day with lies. Like he is the father of all lies. And Jesus says he's been lying from the beginning. And so what are the lies that he tells us? He tells men that they'll never be free from pornography. Like he gets them, he tricks them to accept that this is just the way they'll be, right? You'll never be free. You can't escape porn. It's your only enjoyment. And so what do we do in order to hold on to this sin, in order to, to um, not deal with the truth, we point the finger and blame everyone else for our slavery. So my question to you, is this you? Are you saved but still a slave? I was talking with this young guy uh, this week, actually. He's 27 years old and struggled with pornography. And so we were just talking about that, and he was expressing his desire to be free. And what's interesting is 
this entire past week, I've been talking with men who are in their late 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, who are still struggling with pornography. And we're talking decades. Like when I ask, when did it start? They, routinely, the answer is 12, 13, 14, 15, as early as I can remember. And what I was telling this young guy, this 27-year-old, what I was what I was warning him about is you don't want to be like these men. You don't want to be like me. It took me till I was 46, 47 years old, 46 years old until I woke up, I weaponized and I went to war. I said, don't, I said, I'm telling you, you will blink your eyes and decades will pass by. And every one of the men that I speak with about this, they have regrets but they still believe that God wants to use them. And that is a beautiful thing. Like hope is a beautiful thing. And it's true. I don't care if you're 40 or 50 or 60 or 70, still struggling with pornography. God's will for your life is sanctification. God's will for your life is that you walk in holiness, that you reflect his glory, that you become his image bearer to the world. And we don't do that while we're stuck in habitual sin. So let's look at the words of Jesus here in John chapter 8. He says this. Now, he's talking to believers, to Jews who had believed in him, not to people, not to the religious leaders that were scoffing at him and making fun of him. These were to the people, the Jews who had believed him. He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, which when he says set you free, that means they weren't free before. They answered him, we're the offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So you can believe in Jesus and still be a slave to sin. And practices sin here can be translated like it's habitual sin, continuing in sin. And for men who are struggling with pornography, this has gone on for decades. You can, you can be saved, you can believe in Christ, but still be a slave to sin. Still be a slave to sin. So I want us to go back to the passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul was talking about, like he was pointing to this incredible truth that one day we are going to put on immortality, right? We're going to, we're going to meet Jesus face to face in first Corinthians 15. Then he says, like, after he says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, because this is coming, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your work is not in vain. So what does it mean to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord? It means that we fight for a life with purpose. We don't wish it or dream it because that's never going to happen. We fight for it. We fight with faith because we know, we know that our enemy is fighting against us every single day. So we're going to commit to keep going. We're going to have the courage to not quit. We're going to go to war with our sin. This is what we have to do. 
you know, all over the news right now, it's just all about Afghanistan and rightfully so huge problem there right now in us trying to evacuate and get out of the country. And for some reason, we thought, we thought that we could make peace with our enemies. We thought that, Hey, don't worry. They're going to allow us to leave peaceably Taliban, ISIS, Al Qaeda, whoever you want to say, the truth is they were patient. They waited, they waited, they waited, and then they attacked. And I was just looking this morning and, and watching some of the news and um, of the, of the service men and women who lost their lives. So do we think that our enemy sleeps? Do we think that our enemy is, is wanting to make peace with us? Our eternal enemy, this is not flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And so what does Paul say? Paul says, put to death. This is the image of war. This is the image of, this is not, hey, can we peacefully withdraw from this fight? No, you can't withdraw from this fight. You have to put to death whatever is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. This is Colossians 3, 5, if you want the reference verse. Put to death. There's never going to be peace with this, with sin in our lives, because Satan is always going to want to keep us trapped. If he can keep a man trapped in slavery to porn, he knows that this man will not fulfill his purpose, the purpose that God has for him. And so this language put to death made me think of a passage in Joshua chapter 10. Let me go to it. I'm going to pull it up real quick. And it's when Joshua and Israel defeated the five Amorite kings. And so what does he do? He has there, they were hiding in a cave. So he rolled the stone over the cave. He kept them there. And then when it was over when the war was open. He said, open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me from the cave. And so they did that. And when they brought the kings out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chief, chiefs of the men of war who had gone with him, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. Then they came near and they put their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterwards, Joshua struck them and put them to death and he hanged them on five trees. Paul says it a different way. Put to death whatever is earthly in you. You cannot give it an inch. You cannot try to make peace with it. Put to death is the image of war. And so what keeps us from making progress against pornography? I was talking with a gentleman just this week, another, a different gentleman. And, you know, I, I, one of the questions I like to ask guys is what are the ways that you've tried to be free from porn in the past? Because if you've been struggling for decades, then surely there's things that you have tried. Like you're not calling me and talking to me because I, as, as probably your first, 
desire a way to get, you know, to be free from pornography or somebody to talk to. So I was talking to this guy and he listed a number of different things. I've tried this and tried this and tried this. And then he made this statement and none of them worked. And none of them worked. And I stopped and I said, well, let me ask you a question. Was it that none of them worked or was it that you didn't work? I said, whose fault is it that none of these things worked? And he sat there and he thought about it and he goes, I guess it's my fault. And sometimes, like guys, sometimes instead of pointing the finger at everything else and blaming everybody else, blaming our work, blaming our boss, blaming the president, blaming our wives for why we're stuck where we're stuck, why we're dealing with pornography. Well, if my wife and I were having more sex, it's easy to blame somebody else. It's hard to look at yourself very hard. Like I told you before, when we went, Alice and I went to counseling, I didn't want to go do that work. <laughs> that was hard work. I just wanted it to be over. Like I wanted it to be done. So how do you get unstuck? How do you get unstuck? How do you How do you get out of this life of slavery from porn? This is this would be my advice. Just like I was talking to this gentleman this past week, take radical responsibility for where you are. Start there. Take radical responsibility for what is going on in your life. D stop blaming other people. Stop pointing to other people. Now, listen, I'm not saying there aren't things that happened to you in the past. I'm not saying there aren't circumstances that, that aren't painful. I don't want to ignore that. Like, and we will talk about that on future episodes. There's definitely issues that need to be dealt with. There's definitely hurts and wounds that you have to work through. But you also have to go to war. You also have to take radical responsibility about where you currently are. And so I want to, I'm going to end with this, this thought. I'm going to end with this thought. There's three things. There's three things. And I got this from Tim Keller. Three things that make you who you are. And really three things that have you where you are. So who you are and where you are in life. And specifically, you and I are talking about we've got this conversation around pornography and addiction to pornography. So let's look at these three things. Number one, there's three things. First one is your DNA, like your parents. And along with that, along with your parents DNA, you also have a belief and value system that you were raised with. So when I look at that, I look and I say, man, man, by God's grace, he gave me the parents he gave me. By God's grace, he put this DNA in me. By God's grace, he created me and gave me a mind and uh, a soul. And by God's grace, like my parents taught me this belief and value system that, that I'm to trust Christ. 
put my trust and faith in him. Now, not everybody had that background. Some of you came to faith in different ways. Some of you came to faith because um, of someone else who led you to faith. It wasn't your parents. So this first point, this first thing that makes us who we are is by God's grace, our belief and value system. You are a follower of Christ by God's grace. Number two, this is the second thing that makes us who we are, when and where you were born. When and where you were born. So you, most of us who are listening to this podcast are bo were born in the United States. In the most prosperous and free country in the world. At a time when we have access to everything we could ever want to know at our fingertips. When we have our Bibles on our phones. Like, we don't have to hunt down a version of the Bible. We don't have to, we don't have to like share one or two pages of the Bible. Like I have read about people in North Korea. You're not in North Korea. You're not in a remote village in India. You were not born there. I know the difference. I've been to those villages. Your life would look a lot different. So that's the place where you were born. Think about the time when you're born. I mean, think about what if you were born, let's I will, think about 1918. Let's go back there. What was the tallest structure in 1918? Well, it was the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> a lot's changed. Women couldn't vote. A lot's changed. The flu killed 50 million worldwide. A lot has changed. Right? And so this is by God's grace. So these first two things, who you were born to, your DNA, your belief and value system, God's grace, when and where you were born, God's grace. What is the third thing, the third and final thing that makes you who you are and is responsible for where you are in life? Your thoughts and your choices. Your thoughts and your choices. We have free will. We have free will. We make decisions. And for some of you, we need to come to grips. This is what I finally had to do in 2018, come to grips that my struggle, my wrestle with pornography was because I chose it. My habitual sin was because I chose it. It wasn't anybody else's fault. I couldn't point the finger at anybody else. I, I had to stop pointing the finger at my wife. I had to stop pointing the finger at, at my circumstances. I had to stop pointing the finger at Instagram and stress at work and loneliness and all of these different things that we want to blame. So guys, I've, I'm, I'm telling you with confidence, like Christ came to set you free. And if you abide in his word, you are truly his disciples. You're not his slaves, you're his disciples. <laughs> like the disciples were called and the disciples followed. But so many of us remain trapped in slavery, in, in a slavery of our own doing. Like we have the key, and yet we refuse to unlock ourselves, and we refuse to be free. If we abide in his word, we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. All right, guys, that is it for this episode. If I can ever do anything for you, check out our website, naturalpornkiller.com. That's singular. That is not plural. It's not killers. Don't go there. 
<laughs> go to naturalpornkiller.com. All right. I will be back next week with another episode and uh, look forward to having you all join us then.